Welcome to CruxCast. Whether you're in your car, at work, or at home, we hope you enjoy this interview. And if you do, you can find more like it on cruxinvestor.com. So please subscribe. Uh, good afternoon, Matthew. Good to see you again. Uh, this is Ian Burson's uh, uh, president, CEO, and a director of Braveheart Resources based here in Calgary, Alberta. Um, I'd like to talk to you a little bit about updates on our three projects. Uh, we have a primary asset called Bull River, and uh, it's a past producing copper, gold, and silver mine with some cobalt credits. Our, our next big project is Terry, which is a large past producing asset in, in Northwestern Ontario. And we have an option on a small gold property, it also in British Columbia. Ian, good to have you back. Haven't seen you since April. I hope you've been well, keeping safe. Yeah, it's been a challenging summer here as, as it is probably elsewhere with uh, the COVID coming and taking another run at Albertans and, and people in BC. So um, we, we all have those struggles, but uh, family's well and uh, we're, we're trying to push forward. Well, good man, good man. I'm glad you're well. I'm glad the Albertans are well too. Uh, look, I, did, I wanted to catch up, so I really appreciate the call. Um, in we haven't spoken, I say, since since April. Um, this is a small project. You're you're like 14, 15 million bucks company. Okay, that you you were sort of you're a little bit. If I look at the share price, you've kind of done what the rest of the market's done. You, you had a little bit of a a rush after our last interview, and then you've kind of come off again here. So it's you're still at that end where you know. People looking at this and going, oh, this is either a wonderful uh, leverage play investment for us, or it's too small for me to look at. Okay, I think I think I think that's that, that's fair to say. The other bit to this is you are potentially quite a complicated story. There's a lot of moving parts. Do you find that people are understanding your story, or is it just a little bit too busy for people to bother to uh, you know make the effort to try and understand? I, I think that's a fair question. At times, uh, people have seen it's too busy. Uh, there's been questions about why do you acquire another asset when you haven't got your first one going first? And we understand that. And what we've tried to do is anything that we've purchased in the last year, um, we've tried to make sure that it, it's definitely accretive, but also it doesn't cost us very much to hold on to. So to a certain extent, uh, not, none of what we've done outside of the Bull River mine has been a distraction. Um, in the case of the Alpine Gold Mine, actually, it, it would be complementary to the Bull River story if and when we can get the mill going and, and that mine going. So we're really trying to focus on uh, infrastructure themes where, where I'd like to differentiate our company from other juniors where we are close, we have past production, we're close to existing infrastructure, be it mining communities, hydro, power. And I think when somebody looks at what does it really take to get something going, our projects are far more advanced than, than a lot of the other projects that, that people are looking at. But certainly, uh, we've tried to be transparent with our news releases and sharing our strategies. Uh, sometimes people will take their own spin on it, but, uh, but certainly... The, the, the overarching theme is to get our first project up to commercial production, which gives us cash flow. And from there, we can look at advancing our other projects, be it by ourselves or with joint venture partners. Right. So let's be, let's be clear. And, and we've gone through this in a lot of detail in the past two interviews. Again, I'll put the links below here. If you want to understand the business plan strategy, the team, how this thing came together, what, you know, what the big idea is, go, go watch those. They're good. 
just in summary, Bull River, that's a small project. In its on its own, it probably wouldn't be that interesting, but it's a means to an end, is, is what you told me last time. It's a it's a near cash flowing project which could finance the bigger prize here, which is which is Cherry. Okay. So that so that's and I, I and obviously we talked about Alpine last time as a incremental feed uh to the copper, okay. So let's just, let's see what's going on since we, we, we spoke in April. It seems to have all slowed down. Are you going to put that entirely down to COVID or are you responsible for some of that? No, I, I think it's a combination of different events. Uh, we are working with regulators. We're also working with First Nations and we're working within the budgets that we have available to advance aspects of the infrastructure and the project. So if I look at Bull River on its own, albeit small, some of the concerns was that we have a six to seven year project. So we embarked on a diamond drilling program this summer that's been very successful. All six holes hit the structures. Uh, our lead hole was 5% copper over 3.4 meters. So pretty good stuff, good silver, uh, good gold. And we also were able to validate cobalt. So we think that for a small program that was accretive to our story uh, we now have been able to develop the mine. The current mine is down 350 meters dewatered, and these intercepts are another 125 to 150 meters below. So for those that might be concerned that Bull River is only seven years, I think we're developing at least a base to say that it could be 15, it could be 20. So we think that's a good story. Uh, the other aspect is, is the permit process. So we have made measurable progress with government, uh, with uh, the two main departments, our environment and energy mines. Um, so that process is going forward with dialogue on a weekly basis. And government has reached out to the Tanaha First Nation to begin their independent process of consultation. So I put out a note recently saying that we're likely not gonna see our permit to be able to deposit tailings on surface to possibly Q1, but it, it's conceivable that we still could get a Q4, which would be outstanding for us. Uh, the other aspect is that we put a, a loan agreement in place with Ocean Partners that gives us capital. So we have access to 3.5 million US. We've drawn 1 million of that. We haven't spent it all yet but we're systematically using the ocean draw of the 1 million to advance aspects of four or five capital projects at the property. So on all fronts, we're, we're pretty excited about what we're doing. Um, I would say I, we, we did announce that there had been delays, for example, on, on the commissioning of our transformer. Uh, what I hope people will realize is when you're dealing with multiple Crown corporations like Manitoba Hydro and BC Hydro, uh, you just can't push these people with timeframes. So we've tried to work collaboratively and uh, we're pleased to announce that the transform will be arriving on site uh, as early as next week. So that, that's gonna be really, again, a, a huge milestone for us. Uh, we own it, uh, we have to pay the cost to get it there, but that's one of the key four projects. So we're, we're pleased with the progress at Bull River and everything there is tied to the permit. Uh, so it's the old adage, if we had the permit, it'd be a lot easier to access funds. Um, right, so and by, by that you mean, you've drawn, you've drawn down a million bucks of the three and a half million, but the, the, the next two million is subject to the permit. 
being granted, right? So the permit is really, really important. So realistically, Q1 next year, you'll be able to tell us that there's a permit in place. That's the intention, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So, and so I just, I'm just trying, just going to kind of want to kind of keep a pace, a pace to this. I'm trying to also keep it simple for people, new people looking at this, this story. So you've got the money you need to get that thing up and running. You're, you're going to be able to process the tailings at the mill once you've got that permit in place. And that's going to generate you what uh, kind of cash per year, free cash? Yeah. I mean, it's it's the the value of the stockpile is roughly twenty five million dollars U.S. So w- what that would allow us to do, of course, is is pay for the cost of milling the pile itself, and also to uh, limit or to repay any of the debt that or the loans that we have in terms of our underlying secured creditor at five million, and then the ocean loan. So it's there 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 is significant amount of revenue in that pile that really takes us from the time that pile begins to be processed, we become cash cash uh, positive within that first year. Right, and you've also got rid of the $6 million debenture as well, I, I see. Correct, so okay. yeah, again, strategically, we were we eliminated that. That was the original secured creditor. Credit. Got it, okay, so you're just cleaning, cleaning up the balance sheet. So, so I guess the next six months are really important for you in terms of the cash component, because that, you know, and I look, and I'll quickly kind of speed through the the Alpine component. You know, when we talked about it before, this is like um, there's a kind of gold component as an incremental fee to the, the the copper, right? But you still need to get that permitted, and you still need to get the road design done and 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 built. So that's well, that's a sort of outlier at the moment. Is there is any 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 sense that that's going to get done in the next six months? Well, when we reacquired the Alpine permit, we we agreed to really, as a first step, invest invest the next capital dollars into a upgraded road up to the mine, which would allow for year-round access. The the cost of that project is is less than half a million dollars, and uh, we are not obliged, if you will, with the underlying owners to have that complete until next December 2022. So there's really no significant cash draw to keep Alpine current. We like the fact we've got 140,000 ounces at 16 and a half grams gold. So it's a significant little deposit, but it would provide an incremental fee. The thinking would be is that we would mine at Alpine and truck that material to Bull River where we would do the, the processing at Bull River. Right, so people should look at that as, as effectively, you know, one, one asset, one project, um, and generating cash, and you know, obviously, you're, you're, you're indicating that you would like to increase the life of mine, and you'll you'll spend the money to be able to do that. Okay, so look, nice and simple, easy to understand. Uh, I won't kind of drill down into it now because you've got a bunch of stuff to deliver before you can give me anything meaningful here. I want to go to Cherry because this is the bit that people need to wrap their heads around. Ideally, you start with a project like Cherry, and you get you raise the cash to be able to do it, but obviously, you didn't come through that that path. Cherry here, I mean, explain what you know about it today, because you picked it up pretty cheap. Yeah, uh, I mean, Terry is intriguing to me. Uh, we would not be able to buy Terry today. It wouldn't, uh, we, we get outbid by somebody. So Terry today, just in the underground is about 22 million tons. Uh, the grade's about 1.7% copper, which we like. When we, when we add the total metal value and with uh, copper, nickel, uh, 
platinum, palladium, gold, and silver, the metal value in situ in that property is about $8 billion. So it's significant. Now, I'm not suggesting that that's all recoverable. The copper recoveries will be very good. Some of the other metals may not be as high as they were uh, because historically it was primarily a copper nickel mine. But that's a significant metal value in the ground near existing infrastructure. Uh, I would suggest that we've received virtually zero value in our market cap since acquiring Terry. And if I'm and when I'm asked why that is, my belief is that when we did the initial uh, PEA, preliminary economic analysis or assessment, sorry, the um, that had a very good uh, net present value, about 240 million at a copper price of 348. When you take the copper price up to 420, the NPV is actually over 400 million. The really catch to it though, was people looked and said, well, how much is it gonna to cost to build? And the initial uh, analysis was about 400 million Canadian. So people I think looked and say, well, Braveheart will never do that on its own. Same as previous owners, great project, but they won't build it. So what we've done is actually initiate a scoping study, which would be a new iteration to say, how can we reduce the capital cost of Terry? And we successfully looked at Terry where we're gonna delay the cost of a new shaft. And we would begin with the currently developed upper workings of Terry. It's about 24 miles of tunnels. So we would go into the initial upper portion of Terry, uh, not worry so much about the down dip extension, which is there. It's another, it's a total 15 year project. But then once the mill was paid for, we're looking at about a 4,000 ton a day mill, then we could arguably start to supplement with an open pit feed from what we call the K1, and then potentially look at, depending on market, a mill expansion from let's say 4,000 to 15,000 ton a day. But that different that, that approach to it actually reduces the, the upfront capital approximately 150 million. We, we think that that's huge. In order to put that into a P or into a uh, a new PEA, it's a couple hundred thousand dollars to get the report rid. So um, we know that that is an opportunity for us, and certainly uh, as we go forward and potentially look at other partners to help us build that project, um, it certainly brings it more into uh, the realm of reality, so that you could arguably try to be doing this within this particular copper cycle and, and not have to miss subsequent cycles. Okay, but so here's, here's the thing when I'm looking in, like, yeah, 400 million uh, on, the, on the PEA uh, as a capex. Yeah, 20 million market, well, 15 million market cap company, you're not gonna do that. But likewise, if you go and reevaluate the study, scoping studies and say, oh, let's make it 100, 150, I'm still gonna go, you guys can't do that because to raise the capital, it's hugely dilutive to you. The you know you know three three times your money. I think we would have given you at the bank. Three times your market cap we'd have given you at the bank. You're still going to struggle. So, isn't the important thing to do what you mentioned there? Go find yourself a strategic partner now. Don't even waste money on the doing the scoping study component now. You could do that with a partner. Get free carry. What? Why? Why do you feel that you need to take this forward more with your shareholders' cash, given how tight things are at the moment? Why not park it up? And come back to it later when the cash is flowing. How do you play? I mean, I'm intrigued by the decision making process, the conversations at board level, because you know what all the options are and you got to pick one. 
No, and I would say that in the last uh, two, three months, we have had some fairly significant interest from those kind of parties. I can't be, you know, until such time as we, you know, we've got NDA signed with a couple of parties that certainly have the the, the wherewithal to assist us in bringing that forward. What's, what's the first, what's the first letter of the, of the name? <laughs> oh, I, I'd love to tell you. Uh, no, we, we're very excited because, again, some, some parties would like us to just give it to them on a silver platter. We bought this thing for about $3 million Canadian, and I've said I'm not giving it away for 10. I mean, it's just there's just too much value there. So certainly we've tried to put it in a position where the claims are all in good standing. We have a relationship with the First Nation. We do a little bit of drilling to validate work that is not in the public domain and uh, and then work to get that kind of a partner where somebody can see. And again, uh, there are partners out there that when they recognize that we could actually build this for 150 million, not 400, that does that does gain people's attention. So for, for us to say we're going to build it on our own, no, you're, you're correct. I mean, 150, they're just big numbers at that point. Uh, we are definitely going to have to find a, a different mechanism. And as I've said in, in previous conversations, Bull River will never uh, have enough cat, free cash flow that we could fund Terry. But certainly um, we, we want to make sure that uh, we keep the asset in good standing and, and in fact can, can demonstrate that um, you know, there, there is a, a path to production at Terry that's probably three years out. Uh, given the process. So the first stage is we're, we're completing our advanced expiration permit with government. We should have that. That's a 50-day process. Uh, once that's done, then our real decision would be to look and say, do we even bother drilling at Terry or do we start the dewatering process and actually get access to the underground, which is already developed? So those are the kind of things we're talking about at a board level. Okay, see that, that that's really really fascinating because like it, it, we quite often get a lot of um, feedback when we're going to do these interviews. People are very keen to tell management how they should and shouldn't do things, and, and it's, it's it's usually a question. Of, it's it's like you know what the options are. It's because I've got to choose the best one for the timing of the market for the cash available, and you don't always get to choose the best solution you, you get to choose the best solution for that moment in time so that's why I asked these these questions um, because copper's on the up but as you said no one's giving you valuation for uh, the, the the copper at the moment uh, it's it seems for for, for Terry anyway um and that surprises me and when you say that you know you've got people talking to you or in data rooms I, I assume um you're not seeing that reflected. Usually these things kind of get out in the market, word gets out, but it's all quiet in the Western Front at the moment, it seems. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, in order to put a project like Terry back into production in Canada and, and the rules have tightened up, they've changed quite a bit, you really do need to be to the point where you're going to negotiate an impact benefit agreement with the local First Nation. Uh, there's really no way around that. And so we're trying to, again, be upfront, come in the front door with relationships, uh, honor what we say we're going to do, and build that as 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 a starting point for for a, a restart of the Terry mine. And for people to remember, this this mine did run for six years back in 1976 to 1982, 
but that was long before a lot of the uh, the uh, engagement agreements were even conceived in Canada. So it, it's a different starting point. And again, the other thing is that there are projects where governments being asked to build roads and bring in power lines and all this infrastructure to access new, new territories in Northern Canada. In our case, all that infrastructure is right next door. So again, when we look at tr- the time frame to bring a project going forward, Really, for us, if we had the funding, we could conceivably begin designing the mill that would go basically back exactly where the old mill was. So we don't really have to do another drill hole today from surface to make a decision that this project economically can and should go forward. Okay. Do, do, Canada was mooted, you know, first world nation and great place for mining. Fraser Institute tells us so, so it must be true. But I hear more and more conversations about, you know, the delays because of the discussions with First Nations. You've got the Tanaha, you've got the Mish Nations down at Cherry. Did, are these guys making it harder for you or is it just you have to go through a reasonable process and satisfy the First Nations of your intent and it just takes time and it's taking more time these days than it did? Or has it always been like this? Yeah, no, it's a great question. We, I mean, if I focus on, on the First Nation in Cranbrook, the Tanaha First Nation has a long history of working with uh, business in the East Kootenays. Uh, they work closely with Tech, uh, which was originally Tech Coal, but, but uh, with Tech Resources. Uh, they work with the forestry, with hydro. So they have a positive relationship but you know some of the things that you don't count on is, for example, in March the Tanaha closed their doors for external uh, con- external communications as a result of COVID and some internal restructuring, and then unfortunately on June 30th uh, they announced uh, the finding or the announcement of of uh, large grave un- unmarked graves at the residential school. Uh, that had run for over 100 years under the Canadian Indian Act. So these kind of things are kind of double punches to the gut. I would say the biggest challenge for Tanaha or a lot of the First Nations is really capacity, is is that they are relatively small uh, population, if you will, living within sometimes the community, but they just don't have necessarily the capacity to take on digesting the projects and those relationships. So it's not so much that they don't want to, but it's a matter that these things take time, to your point. Uh, Mishkagogamine was a different situation. They'd entered into an MOU with two previous owners and the MOUs weren't honored. So here you have, you know, once burnt, twice shy. So you go in as the new guy and saying, well, we're different than the guys before. Well, it's a show me story. So these things with relationships, you, you just can't barge in. And so we're trying to be respectful and patient. And we're of the view that it'll take the time it does. But in our case, both our projects are brownfields. So they are already on disturbed land. You get to the point where traditional, um, when you look at uh, area of influence that the First Nations look at, these are previously disturbed sites. So the, the potential for archeological stu- or studies or those kind of things, they, they have less relevance than they would on a 
on, on a, a brand new or a, uh, a project that hasn't, hasn't been worked on before. So to your point, we just have to be patient and it's going to take the time, but uh, I'm quite positive that with certainly with Bull River, that being the Brownfields project that it is, uh, uh, we're, uh, it's just a matter not of if we get our permits, but it's when. Okay, fine. And look, again, I want to sort of again, go straight to the important points that people have been asking us about. Um, can you just sort of, um, kind of quickly touch upon the drill program from spring and summer? You know, what, what have you seen? What have the problems been in terms of delays? Uh, and why does it give you hope for the future? Yeah, great. Um, so if I even go back to 2020 in, in Q1, we embarked on a underground drilling program. And what we were trying to demonstrate was that we actually have down dip extensions of the current known mineralization on strike and at dip. Uh, people often say the Bull River project is kind of small. Well, if we can demonstrate that the mine down 350 meters is relatively shallow, the, 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 the gist behind this program was to get some pierce points that would arguably allow us to infer that there's additional mineralization at similar grades to what we have in our resource. So last uh, Q1 of 2020, we had a successful program and then we had to shut it down for COVID. We went back in this spring uh, when things seemed to improve and we drilled six holes, all of which uh, penetrated uh, copper mineralized structures at grades that were as good or better than what we have in the current resource. Uh, one of the holes was 5% copper, uh, 29 grams silver, 0.6 grams gold, over, over 3.4 meters, which is certainly a mining width that we, that we like. And on top of that, we assayed for cobalt. We know that we have cobalt throughout the deposit. It ranges between 0.02 and 0.025% but we hadn't had pierce points before where we actually could assay for cobalt. So we are kind of encouraged by that. It's another potential byproduct, but it doesn't change the fundamental basis that this is a copper mine. Primarily, uh, we have to produce a saleable con. And when I say saleable, probably 25 to 28% copper. And then, uh, and then we want to try to optimize the byproduct credits uh, we get 90% of silver, we get 70% of gold. So, so but it, we, we can't lose track that this is primarily a copper mine with calcopyrite mineralization. Great, I'm glad you said that. Again, there was, again, a lot of discussion around that, you know, people trying to understand, you know, where are we going to hit a big copper find here? It's a byproduct. We're focusing on copper concentrate. That's the business, you believe, right? Perfect. Um, a few other questions uh, just around some admin kind of things. I know you guys have been buying shares in the market. Not a lot of shares, but at least you're buying. That's something. Uh, you know, so kudos for that. With regards to um, the, the, the money component, I mean, we, we talked about it briefly earlier. Do you think, when do you, when do you think you're going back in the market again? And, you know, how much will you need to raise? Because you've been raising small amounts. I noticed back in, you know, July, you were 720 thousand bucks, you know, here and there, you're, you're raising just enough to move it forward each time. Is that going to be the same going forward? Well, in terms of, uh, we're likely going to have to raise some more money in a private placement unless there's another avenue for us. So at this point, um, access to the next 2 million of ocean is going to be probably delayed to late Q4. 
So in order to keep going with the capital upgrades, we would arguably have to raise a bit more. We have a significant number of warrants at 15 cents, but, um, but again, we're not at 15 cents, so there's no impetus for people to convert the warrants. Uh, so it's really a balancing act for us. Uh, I use the term hard dollars versus flow through. Flow through dollars are available in Canada, but they're also restricted on where you can use it. So it really has to be on the drill bit. And we don't think we're going to get a whole lot more uh, value, if you will, by more pierce points in the current development. So where we like to do is to raise the hard dollars, which can be used for, for various things, everything from the capital upgrades to, to you know, corporate spending. But, but hard dollars, again, are more difficult to raise than flow through. So, how, so, so to answer the question, how much will you need to raise to get this thing into production? And assuming a permit comes through in Q1, when do you get into production? So including the, if we have access to the full 3.5, which is the ocean money, we probably need another 2 million Canadian to top that up. But uh, what we're trying also to demonstrate or let the market know is that as we complete some of our capital projects, we'll tick the box and we'll be able to have a better number for what it's going to take. So for example, you know, we paid about 150,000 toward our float tanks. That's a $400,000 project. So we paid for majority of our consultants that, that did the underlying work to support those projects. So we'll be trying to provide updates as we go forward on a month by month basis and then better project what's the remaining amount. The one capital project we haven't made a lot of progress is on the filtration systems. Uh, we have a vendor that dearly wants to sell us some filtration cells, but I want to make sure that we've secured the, the funding in order to go forward with that. So the worst case, if we don't have our permit at the end of Q4, we'll simply have advanced our capital projects closer to the point that the minute we get it, it's a relatively short time frame to, uh, to be able to press the start button, if you will, for the mill. But we are doing upgrades in the crushing plant, in the main mill. Uh, we have a fine ore bin that has to have uh, some support on the bottom. So all those projects were, were just systematically trying to tick away. So although some of the raises of half a million to 750,000 sound small, uh, they do allow us to complete various aspects of the capital. We do have a cash burn of about 50,000 a month to keep the mine dewatered. It's about 25,000 just on hydro alone to keep that mine in a dewatered condition. But what that does mean is that when it comes time to go back, initially mining the surface stockpile, but right on the heels of that, we would plan to go back mining underground. Okay, can you ask the question, which is when you get the, assume the premise in place and when you're able to draw down that money, how quickly does all this come together and you can, get this thing up and running? Forget the optimization period, when does it start running? Well, under the agreement with Ocean, a lot of that's confidential, of course, but we get uh, on transfer of the concentrates, we'll get about 90% of, of the values advanced to us. So we do have money coming back pretty quickly, so we won't have a large working capital deficit which again was one of the main reasons to work with a professional group that their business is moving concentrates and they do it well. So we tried to de-risk our project 
partially by doing that. And of course, Ocean did not get involved. They didn't want to loan us money. That wasn't the impetus. The impetus was to develop a relationship uh, initially for the first 45,000 tons of concentrate. And, and if it works well, then they'd like to see it as a life of mine. Uh, so so that's, that's why we went the route we did. Okay. So, okay. Well, give me, give me a clue. You've got to give me a clue. because I want to know if I'm an investor looking at this thing saying, you, you sound like you're quite close to the permit process getting over the line. I'm saying Q1. Once it does, it releases some, the rest of the cash from Ocean Partners, right? And then you get 90% of the concentrate thereafter. So the, the cash flow looks quite good. I'm just going to work out, you've, you've got the, you've got to get the fil- filtration sorted out. You've got to get the, the, um, transformer installed. Flotation. Oh, yeah. Fl- yeah. You've got to get it, all of these things put together to get this mill up and running and be producing this concentrate. How long does it take? Are we talking six months? Are we talking 18 months? I mean, what, how quickly do things start moving? So upon getting the permit, depending on whether or not we finished all the capital upgrades, um, if we haven't, arguably it'd be three months to complete the capital upgrades if we hadn't been able to fund it. Um, immediately, what's unique for the property is we have 165,000 tons ready to go in front of the mill. So that's eight months of production. So without mining anything from the underground, we have a steady flow at 700 ton a day for eight months. And with that, we have, as I mentioned, we will have cash flow. We plan to sell our concentrates kind of in containers. And so we would be getting proceeds from each, uh, probably multiple times a month on as, as each container of concentrate is shipped from site. So there will be cash coming back uh, to the company based on on the milling of that stockpile. But when, when are you ready to put that stockpile through the mill? When can you start putting it through the mill? Well, right now, what we've tried, Matt, is to, we, 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 our plan has been to have, to be in a position that the day we get the permit, the mill has is completely ready to go. Now, the question always comes back is that we've got to rate, continue to raise capital. Um, and so, uh, we could be, let's say, one project short of being able to finalize that the circuit. Um, so it'll really depend if there's long lead time items. For example, the filtration system is about a four-month lead time. So every day that we haven't ordered it, it's not going to arrive. So that's kind of the challenge for us is that certain aspects of the project we knew had longer time frames, like the, the transformer project. We began that back in 2019, and we're just now getting to the finish line. So I would say, worst case, uh, we're four, we're four months away from any particular project that hasn't been started. Uh, but arguably, um, we'll be in a position that I'd like to be able to put place the order for the filtration system in Q4, which would allow it to, to arrive in Q1, and the install is. Is, is relatively quick. So, you know, again, uh, if we get the perm in Q1, our expectation is that we could mill in Q1. I think that's where I was getting to five minutes ago. Potentially Sorry. Q1. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to see where the money's, when the money's coming through, right? Because I'm sitting around waiting for another 12 months. I'm nervous. If it's relatively quickly, I know there's stuff that, whatever your agreement with Ocean Partners is, but you need to give line of sight to the market and say, 
No, this thing gets plugged in and plumbed in real quick once we've got the moving parts that we've ordered or will order quite soon. Okay, get it. Um, look, I, th I think let's let's leave it there because, like I say, if people want to get a dig into the weeds here. They can they can revert back to the other interviews with the links below. Um, that I think simplifies it for me. Answer some of the questions which we've been sent in that people wanted you to answer, um, and we're really really quite clear about what, where the, the the big prize is, and that's clearly Thierry, but you need to find that partner and you've got a few you know bumps along the road to to overcome before you can you can probably get them on board so i uh, appreciate your time today um Ian, and let let's let's maybe catch up near christmas if you if you keep you keep saying q4 i'm saying q1 uh if it happens in q4 come on and tell us all about it okay real good thanks matt i appreciate the time today thank you for listening if you've enjoyed the interview why not subscribe to cruxcast or our website, cruxinvestor.com, and of course, our YouTube channel, Crux Investor. Plus, you can catch us most days on Twitter and LinkedIn. We really love getting your feedback, so please keep it coming, and we'll speak to you again soon.